Well, g'day and welcome to the good, the bad, the rugby Australia. Gee, bra, filled with ex-wallabies and a wannabe. This morning, recording very early, we're actually, we're straight off the back of the Wallabies uh, Wales game, hence the upbeat mood in the studio. Um, let me, before I do anything, let me please give a massive thank you to our wonderful sponsors, uh, Harvey Norman. As always, we're proudly brought to you by our good friends at Harvey Norman, a respectable family favourite and successful enterprise business, and we do thank them. Um, now, let's introduce everybody very quickly to my left. Uh, we've got uh, Swoop D-O-double-G, yeah, Adam Ashley Cooper. Um, the other two G-brasers, they are over there already. Uh, Drew went right from the start of the World Cup, and Gitz, he, he left us on Friday to fill in here in the studio uh, well. One of the all-time Wallaby greats, um, a man who had 81 caps for the Wallabies, and is currently, when you turn on your news at the night on, on in the night on Channel 10, he's reading it to you. It's the great man Matt Burke. Berkey, thanks for coming in. Boys, good morning. I, I love the research too. Well done. 81 Thank you. test matches. <laughs> there you, you go. That was there Tommy. Was a, there was a little stumble, Professor, but it's okay. <laughs> I did. I thought 81. Was it test matches? Was it Waratahs games? No, it was. Yeah, it was matches. Wallabies caps. Yeah, it was. It was uh, fun times in there. Tough times this morning, though, watching uh, the boys unfold. Uh, and two over there in France at the moment, like in the thick of it. Um, they are. You'd be keen to get their, their thoughts. I well. think well, let's go first to Drew. He is in France. He's just been to that game. Um, Drew, let's get your hot take, mate. What you got? Uh, yeah, look, fellas. Uh, look, sorry for my voice. It's been, a, it's been a bit of a week for me after last week's podcast. Um <laughs> But look, it's, it's let's not sugarcoat it. It was pretty, uh, uh, it's pretty disappointing, right? First team never to go through the quarterfinals of a World Cup. Um, yeah, it was it was tough in the, in the stadium to watch it play out, and not just to lose, but to lose in the way that we lost. That was it. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> You, are you, have you lost your voice because you were shouting at the football or is it other recreational activities uh, that have been taking place? Uh, yeah, look, I, uh, I had a bit of a night last night. <laughs> got no voice today. Um, in, and after last week, it's probably a good thing that I've lost my voice so I don't get myself in any more trouble. <laughs> now... We, if you did see Berkey, I don't know if you saw last week. I did see it. Yeah, it was it, pop, it popped up everywhere. Yeah, um, it was a bit of a tirade. It um, went viral, yeah. Yeah. So, Drew, um, we will let you go because we can't hear your voice. But before we do, is there anybody in the Australian organisation you want to put the boot in to make us go viral again? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, I think questions have to be asked. Obviously, Eddie, um, Hamish McLennan, uh, he, he was... He was a guy that brought Eddie in. Hang on, I just got some. Got some Welsh punish here. What? <laughs> What's my kid doing? If you're listening Fuck to off, this, you oh, Drew, there's you a Welsh bloke who's just walked up to Drew in the street. Yeah. Um, and he's punishing him. And he's, not, he's trying to join the podcast. Drew's pushing him away. He's telling him to piss off. Uh, this is this could end badly. Move on. The Welsh man has had a few. Um, I think he's moved. I think he's moved him on. Hey, uh, how's it going? Hi. Didn't understand that, mate. So I keep walking. Now, we will let you go here, Drew, because yeah. there's not a lot of point making a podcast with a bloke without a voice. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to push him. Go away. Go away. <laughs> That's great. That is great. Yeah. Um, this is he's high-fiving. Right, right, and he's, now yeah. he's getting a selfie. All right. Should we let Drew go here, boys? Yeah, let Drew He's go. getting a selfie. He's, he's got the fans. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you sorry, want to say sorry, before boy, you go? Sorry, sorry. Um, no, nah, I just think questions need to be asked. Like, you know, we, we shouldn't be bowing out before the quarterfinals. Um, it was disappointing tonight. And... Yeah, like, we, we, we need to ask the hard questions. Like, how many drinks did you have last night? Is that where we, <laughs> is that where we start? All right, hey, Biv, yeah. we'll let you go, mate. Yeah. Well, I think Gitz is going to come over and give you a hug in the next couple of days. Not in that state, I won't be. <laughs> <laughs> that, that wonderful voice you can hear is the great man, Goitan. Uh, Gitz, where are you right now? What, what were you doing tonight for the game? It's a little delayed there. I think Drew's talking. Drew, was there something else you wanted to add? No, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he does look he does look a bit annoyed. Go and Can join we... the tour group, mate. <laughs> yeah. Back on the bus, Biv. Back on the bus. <laughs> Bye, Biv. Bye. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Oh. End, mate. Not a good place go. to be as a former Wallaby walking out of that stadium. Um, nah. with, with every drunk Welshman, yeah, absolutely giving it. To and me. the only thing about that is, though, the drunk Welshmans—they don't give it to you per se. They're actually nice about it. They're, they're like it's—they're great winners. They're great winners. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the Irish are great winners. English, not so much. They yeah. they get a bit nasty sometimes. South Africans a bit nasty. Kiwis uh, sometimes give you a bit of a ripping. But the Welsh are like, if you're going to lose to someone, I, I saw Giddy your, your your tweet this morning. It's like if you're going to lose to someone. You know, it, it, it's it's sort of nice to lose to the Welsh. Then at the same time, you don't want to lose to the Welsh. No. And it's, there's losing and then there's 40 to 6. Yeah, right? yeah, that's true. Yeah. Now, Gitz, are you, I believe you are in Wales. Is that correct? Yes, I am in Wales. Now, Berkey, you, you're spot on because it's it's the way their accent, oh, that the, they sing when they talk. Oh, we didn't know we were going to play that well. You guys were unlucky. And I was like, well, we weren't unlucky, you know. Like, I think... You know, you outplayed us. Um, yeah, I'm in Wales at the moment. It um, it was a tough watch. I thought even in the first half, we had like so much ball. I think it was 15, 16 phases and the commentators were saying, this is great. You know, Australia's holding the ball. Um, they're building phases, but we weren't going anywhere. I thought our game, that was the disappointing thing for me is that I thought our game, we didn't really express ourselves. We didn't really give it everything that we had. Um and it was just easy, very one-dimensional um, attack. So, yeah, there's no question that, you know, the players are going to be hurting and they gave it as much as they could. But as Drew said, there has to be questions asked because it's the first time that we've bowed out uh, and not made the finals. And it's the first time that we've lost to Fiji ever in our history. So, you know, back-to-back things, there's got to be some questions asked. And I'm sure there's some angry and hurt fans out there. Yeah, I agree with Gitz. That was a, a very tough watch. I think the questions that need to be asked is, what are we doing during the week? Like, you, you hear Eddie in the press conferences throughout the week in, in preparation of the game saying, we've had a fantastic week, we've prepped really well. I mean, the majority of turnovers come off the discipline and the skill errors. So, I mean, in terms of those skill sets, what, you know, what are we doing during the week to approach a test match in terms of getting all our attack in, in order, in good enough shape to go out there and compete against a, an international team. 
So, you know, they're, they're certainly the questions that need to be asked of the group and also the coaching staff because, I mean, what we just saw is, is far off the pace. It's not good enough. I reckon, though, Swoop, you've got to go back even a step further and ask about – and I'm, I'm on the, all these committees now, so I'm New South Wales president now. I sit on the high performance, that kind of stuff, for the last couple of years. I suppose you have to ask the question, what are the high performance commi- – not so much committees doing, but what are, what's the high performance uh, doing? Um, because you get these kids that come out of school and they don't play many games and they get elevated quite quickly and and they haven't played enough games, you know. Like there's and, and I feel sorry for the guys out there tonight as well. Like I mean, they're going to cop it from from the media as well, but I feel sorry for them because they I don't think they got armed with enough to be able to compete on the world stage. Yes, it was Wales. I understand that, and they were they were rabble six months ago, mm. twelve months ago. Uh, but they played good footy tonight. They played smart footy. Uh, our guys were were trying hard, but didn't have the ammunition to actually do anything. Um, so we had a bunch of you know kids out there tonight. We had a bunch of kids out there who didn't really know. Uh, and when you're getting when you're getting pumped, you just look a, you look either side of you and you think, who's going to help me out here? And even some of the old heads, you know, w- weren't doing well tonight. Samu Karebi wasn't great tonight. Uh, you know, you got a, a, a a rookie nine, a rookie ten, pretty mm-hmm. much, you know. Uh, 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 players around the park that probably haven't had that decision-making um, instilled in them to be able to guide a team around. So there were, as you said, Giddy, there, there were, were elements of good play, but just not enough to finish it off. Bernard Foley tweeted, Gitz, yeah, I don't Bert, know if you... uh, Sorry, uh, Prof, to cut you off there. As Drew... Touched on, there's a delay here, so I don't want to get aggressive like he did. But, Bookie, what's your thought on when it was 10-6 and we went for that line-out? So, mm. obviously, Parecki's a captain. He's a new captain. He's gone for the line-out, then he's overthrown it. They got the ball, did a 50-22. Through your experience and being a World Cup winner, I don't know, I've not won a World Cup, lost two. Would you have taken the three points? Like, obviously, points are pretty crucial, in my opinion, I, especially so early in the game. I, I don't know. What, what's your take on that? No, 100%, Giddy. 20 minutes. I, I, I reckon that's when we lost momentum. That's when we lost our, our way. Um, and there's always that risk-reward, isn't it? You know, you, you go for the sideline. If you go for the sideline, it's got to be five metres out. It ended up being nine metres out. So first off, it was a poor kick mm. to touch. And I think it was a poor decision because you've got to take your points. You know, in test matches, it's about points. It's not about bonus points at that stage there. And I know Australia had all the momentum at that, at that certain point. But it's just a, it's you could throw that ball over, and, and I don't know who making that who made that final decision. I don't know who got overruled to say let's let's go for touch. I remember when I was captain at Waratahs. Uh, I never captain Australia. Um, captain Waratahs, and I used to say to the forwards, I said, "Mate, I can get this, but if I kick for touch and you don't give me a result, you don't get a start again." You know, and, and then the heads went down after that. You could see, and and he said, "Giddy, like he, he's knocked that seventy meters and, and got a 50-22. And the whole game changed at that yeah. point. Then, then you're playing catch-up. They then get a penalty. They kick the goal. And all of a sudden, you're just thinking, what have I got to do to get across the line? So that was a, I reckon, gets that was a, a, a an integral point of, of the game, that we didn't take those points there. And as to whose fault it was, we'll, we'll never know. Um, and who came up with the idea to say, let's go for the touch and the reasons for? Yeah, you got to ask the question, why did they go for touch? Like, usually there's a couple of... Uh, factors that go into that deciding to go for touch. One is momentum, a question whether or not they had the right momentum. Two is, you know, previous pay. They hadn't, they hadn't received any kind of pay off the back of lineouts in that area of the field 
in the in the, the start of the game. So it's you know you question why the decision to go to touch when three points are right there. I think the scores were ten six at the time, and like you said, it's all about scoreboard pressure. You got to compete on the scoreboard as well. Mate, you, my old, my, I was going to say, my old man taught me earlier. Early. Take the points when, when they're, whenever they're on offer, you know. And 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 I used to run up to Eelsey, and uh, and and Eelsey would sort of you know he would sort of scratch his head and think you know should I go for a goal? And I'd I'd point to the sideline and go let's go for goal. So the crowd thinks yeah we're going for touch we're going to keep going. And all of a sudden Eelsey go well, point for touch. I'm going to go ooh I'd say well done mate good decision well done. Uh, make you feel like the hero every time. But you take the points when they're on offer. And yeah. and, and Giddy you would have learnt that. In Toulon with, with Wilkinson back in the day, you know, like the, the ability to score points just attributes to that pressure every time you play. Yeah, absolutely. And I like uh, I like the fact that you made Eelsie look like a prick to That's to the exactly right, mate. That's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> Everyone around the world, Eelsie's an absolute knob. <laughs> Perfect. Now, you talk about... Um, They're just going to cut that bit up, you know that, don't you? Matt Guido says Eels is an absolute knob. Yeah, perfect. That's how we go viral. Keep going with that. So, hey, so you talk about that moment and um, deciding whether to kick for touch or whether to yeah. take the penalty. Um, and you talk about a lack of leadership on the field. Now, we've been discussing every week, as you could probably guess, uh, Michael Hooper yeah. not being there. Now, is he sort of the steady hand out there at that moment that would have gone, let's get it to 10 9? Yeah, indeed. Are, are, we, are we missing that person out there still? You've even got James Slipper, who's been a captain for the Wallabies. I think he potentially would have gone. And again, as Berkey touched on, you don't know behind the scenes what the actual chat is or what their game plan was, but they'd already taken two penalty shots, so which were harder kicks. So if you actually were going to go for tries, you probably would have done it earlier mm. in the game, not so much at that point. So... Yeah, I'm not sure whether that was actually Eddie's call. I, I I believe that it was the player's call. I think James Slipper obviously has previous history being there. Berkey touched on it as well. When when you've got senior guys and you're behind, say, Wales score, you look at each other, you look for some type of leadership or someone that's been in this position that knows a way out. Young The young players without that experience, and this is not a critique on them, they just have not been through this experience before. So they're all looking at each other, looking for an answer. And unfortunately, we we probably just are still searching. We'll have to wait until they, they watch the game or or get a review, and, you know, to see areas that they can improve. But it blows my mind that someone like, say, Matt Burke, who's a Wallaby legend, like will go down, obviously, Hall of Famer and all the rest. He's won every title that there is, has never captained the Wallabies. But yet we've had six captains apparently i think drew was saying there's been six in the last 12 months like that's a responsibility like it's a big job and i think it's not something that needs to be decided lightly and i feel like we've moving forward obviously will skelton he was supposed to be and he, he got injured but moving forward i feel like we've got to place more importance on who our leaders are and and you know, who we choose to represent our country first and foremost, mm. but who that actual leader is. Bernard Foley summed, I think, the feeling of, well, the Wallabies and the Australian public. He tweeted, it didn't have to be like this. Um, obviously, Bernard missed out. Um, and he's referring, I'm assuming he's referring to the fact that if those senior players had been there, it would have been a different result. Um, what do you make of his tweet, boys? 
Yeah, well, I think he's he's hurting like the rest of the rest of us, you know, not just the rugby supporters and the rugby community, but you know, guys that have worn the jersey that represented their country in the World Cup. It didn't, and uh, you know, we're just talking about that decision. It being a gamble, it seems like there's been a fair bit of gambling this whole year, you know, with selections, how they wanted to play, his coaching staff, the turnover of players, um, and the way they've kind of gone about this Rugby World Cup campaign. I just think. Yeah, I mean, upon reflection, I mean, you know, like the players have said that have been interviewed since the, the game's finished is that, um, you know, it's hindsight's a beautiful thing, right? And there's a lot of things that have gone wrong. So, I mean, it's, yeah, we've hit, we've hit rock bottom, but you can feel for players that felt like they could have had a big influence on the campaign. Guys like Michael Hooper, I mean, we're still yet to get to the bottom of that story. Guys like Quade Cooper, Bernard Foley, other guys that have a lot of experience, and we've been saying along, and you, you'll agree with this, Berkey, the most important thing in a Rugby World Cup campaign is experience. And you need your big players to step up. We just didn't have that experience. We didn't have that leadership. We didn't have players who really put their hand up and stood out. You look at the teams that are performing already in the, in the, in the World Cup, they're, they're key guys. The key guys are performing really, really well. The hard part also is, boys, you... We're always going to compare to 91 and 99, you know, and, and um, one of the questions uh, I heard the boys talking about this morning uh, after the, the, the finish of the game was the transition from coaches to coaches. And the only time that it's been uh, quite uh, smooth was from Rod McQueen to Eddie Jones. So that 0-1 era after Lions series, um, we then went on to win Bledisloe Cup after that for a couple more times. Uh, and I think, Giddy, then you got involved um, after that too, but... Yeah, that transition was a world-class team. You know, that that, that had, you know, Ilsey retired off that, but that had it still had Hoare and Little, Grieg and Larkham, you know, um, a front row that was great. Um, second rows, uh, you know, still leading the charge. Kef at the back there. So these are names that were will go down in history as some of the greatest to play the game. So the, the difficulty of comparing is, is you're always going to um, uh, make that hard decision between the then and, and the now. I just go back to these guys. I feel sorry for these guys now. You know, um, the youth policy is always going to be a go. And and, and I got I got rotated. Um, Giddy, I remember when when you came in, uh, Twickenham, I think it was first game. I think it was back in the day in that on that tour. Uh, and you've been plucked from sort of you know uh, relative obscurity to come and play the game. Um, you were the golden child back in the day. I then you know a little bit later got moved on and. It's just the nature of, you know, what it is. Um, but when you get moved on and you're left behind. So the guys like uh, Hooper, Cooper, Foley, and as you said before, Swoop, you think you can still offer something. You know, like that that's the one. You think I can still contribute. And when you don't get that chance to contribute, that's the frustrating part um, from everything. When you, when you watch them on the field, like that when you said, Giddy, about taking the shot at goal, every day of the week you take those points, you know, and, and, and someone perhaps of more experience character um you know would have said no boys let's take the points tough mm. 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 um three of the all-time wallaby greats sitting here right so obviously one in 99 also part of the team in 03 and then obviously gits and swoop you made the final 2015 we went down to the all blacks and they talk about this 20-year slide in rugby union i want to toss up it's less than that it's if you think about it only eight years ago we were in the final mm. right what would you do right now if you were at the helm? If you said, if they said you can now make the decisions to, to A, turn the Wallabies around and B, turn Rugby Union around in this country. I want big statements here. 
I want things that we can attach names to. Matt Burke said <laughs> like that. All right. Uh, I'll go first. Um, one bus. One bus. I, I think that there's just too many people involved in, in rugby nowadays. Like there's, there's too much line of communication or lack of, I reckon. Um, you know, I, I, I see, you know, 15 coaches. Uh, I mean, seriously, I mean, I, I, I find that, I find that one can be a waste of money. I think you lose the messaging uh, in there as well. Um, and I know things have changed and, you know, everyone wears the GPS on their back and can tell you when you're going to do a hamstring or, or fatigue and that kind of stuff. But I think there's still that, that now some responsibility of, of understanding the game. And I think that's where perhaps we're lacking a little bit. Um, one bus, fit everyone on the one bus. I don't know how they get around now. How, how do they get around now? I mean, with the amount of players, they'd have to take a minibus or, or two buses, wouldn't they? Double decker. Double, double decker. The old school decker. South Africa set up five minivans. Five minivans, yes. Inside backs, outside backs. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I think for me, I mean, I mean, you, everyone's questioning the performance of the Wallabies, right? And the skill sets that are associated with each performance. I think you've got to go back to club club level, super rugby level, and I reckon I'd lo- love to see, we've got five super rugby teams at the moment. I'd love to cut that back to, say, three and create uh, a much tighter competition for selections. You know, when there's better players playing because there's less spots to be selected, mm. you know, you, you're you in a much more competitive environment. It just gets, it's much healthier for player development. Um, and so I'd, I'd love I'd love to see that. I'd love so to see. Are you saying that the talent pool's been spread too far? I think so. You know, and you know whether it's you know they're being challenged daily in that in that in that environment, that Super Rugby environment, enough to see the test level performances. You'd have to question that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if we could bring it back old school, back to Super Twelve days when there's three, and how competitive we were back then, yeah. right? It, it only it only filters through to the top, creating more competition, better performances. Kits, you were applauding his ideas there. Oh, I, mean, I love when. Yeah. Well, the first thing I would do is I'd align, I'd align myself with a good podcast, say like Gebra, <laughs> if I was Australian rugby. I'd sponsor and put as much cash as I can into that, uh, promoting the game. Outside of that, uh, I agree. Three teams, and I'm not saying that it needs to be. You've got people in Perth and. Um, and Melbourne that will blow up thinking automatically we're saying to cut them. I'm not saying that. I'm saying three teams. You've got to leave the Brumbies in, of course, but you've got three teams uh, wherever they are, but it creates competition. As Swoop said, every day you turn up to training. I remember turning up to training and you never felt safe in your position. On the, on the back of that, your club uh, sides become a lot stronger now because these guys that are not playing – Super Rugby now go back to strengthen their club rugby teams. Mm. And then that grassroots is now starting to get healthier and there's a better product actually coming through. I think five teams is too much for us. We don't have, um, I don't think at the moment rugby is popular enough um, and we're competing against obviously so many different codes that we need to put a better product out there. And I think competition for spots will, will definitely do that. The third point I would say is Who's appointing all these people? Who's in charge of making these decisions? Because I'm with Berkey that these young players that are chosen to play for the Wallabies and represent us as a nation at the World Cup are trying their best. It's their first opportunity. They're inexperienced. 
sure they're going to make mistakes. They're going to obviously at times not make the right call, but it's not through their lack of, of want. And I think there's got to be someone in charge there that appoints the coaches, that uh, picks the players, that does that. And every time that we don't get a good result, everyone's saying, oh, there's bad coaching. Who's in charge of the coaching? Or oh, the players, they've got to go. But the people at the very top seem to miss out on, on getting that judgment. So I'd probably say we, we need to have a good look at who's making all the decisions and start asking those tough questions. Very good responses. Can I give my response? Please. Please. As an yeah. outside they're looking in. I've realised now that kids at 17, your best footballers, in New South Wales and Queensland, they all play two codes. They play one day, they play league, mm -hmm. and one day they play union. And they can play both codes and they jump between them. Most of the good footballers now. But 90 to 95% of those kids end up in a league team. So if there is a way that rugby union can just make it more attractive to these young guys that are making those decisions. If you think of the last few years, you've got your Angus Crichtons, mm. you've got your Cameron Murrays. Cooper Cronk was a freak rugby union player. And these the international viewers of this, they won't know their names, these players that they were talking about, but they would have all ended up in the Wallabies system. Mm. But your Rabbitohs, your Roosters, they all came with bags of cash and I'll, convinced them. I'll tell you the difficulty of it. It is now. And, and <clears throat> you know, I sit, on, I sit on the board and all that kind of stuff with Waratahs. The difficulty of it is, and and we're talking about the five teams. So we've got five teams, got 30 spots available in each. So there's 150 players, right? And then you've got the juniors coming down through there as well. Rugby League's got 17 clubs. They've got the reserve grade under that. Then they've got 20s under that. And then they've got some, you know, from lower ones in there. And the broadcasting deal is the is the, the kicker. So AFL, you're talking about, <clears throat> pardon me, Giddy, you're talking about the AFL before, what do they do? A $2 billion mm. deal? They just got money coming out of their ears. Um, the, the rugby league, I think, was a billion dollar. What's, what's the rugby union deal? The rugby league, what's the rugby union deal? It's, it's not much. It's no. nothing comparable to that. And if you remember the blow up a couple of years ago with, with what was Fox and 10 to then uh, piggybacking Fox on that there and then nine picked it up. It's, it comes down to a money thing. So the offer of then for these younger players, just for a little bit of incentive, they just can't do. And then they say, look, we'll give you the experience if you hang around where the clubs come in from rugby league and go, yeah. mate, we'll give you, you know, a couple of grand, some boots, some jersey. We'll take you to training and that kind of stuff. So all of a sudden they get hooked. And so because of there's that spot and, and it's, it's a, it's a merry-go-round that's going to continue. So if we cut it, if we cut it down to three teams, it's going to be even harder yeah. to get a start for, for the younger kids to come through, which is a really difficult cycle that, that rugby union's in. You know, even even listening to Sterling two weeks ago, JP as well, the way Sterlo um, was talking about taking the All Blacks out of their comfort zone, you, you can't let them dictate the terms. You've got to let them know that you're in for the fight. All that type of terminology I've not heard in such a long time, but it's so refreshing to hear. And I think it would make a big difference, actually, bringing a lot of the classic Wallabies, and not just your classic Wallabies that are recent, the ones that won things, mm. you know, the successful ones, get them back involved. Except for Campo, obviously. I don't think Campo and Eddie, <laughs> that's going to work out. But, you know, like I think there's real merit in that. Yeah, I, I agree with I, yeah, I agree with Gits there. I mean, you can see the leagues do that so well, particularly the, the, Queens, the Queenslanders. Queensland yeah, league team, right? They get all the old boys around and they just create a, you know, a, real, a real atmosphere and a real energy mm. going into each origin game. And because you've got, 
you know, you've got a voice there, a senior voice, you know, someone to kind of lean on, ask the question on, how do you deal with your prep, you know, what's to expect this weekend in a, in a big game. Man, it's awesome. It's great to see. Like, they're having a huge influence on, on those younger players. But it, it's interesting, though, as well. Timmy Horan was a selector. He was a selector when we were around, Gitz, like early, early when you were around. And we are in Coffs Harbour, and he walked in. And Tim is the, the nicest bloke, you know? Connects everyone still from, you know, back in the 91 days to, to the 99 days and beyond. And he walked in, and there was a couple of guys, obviously, who played with. And then he walked out pretty quick. And, and I saw him afterwards. We had lunch afterwards. And he, I said, how'd you go? And he goes, man, I just didn't feel like I was, like, connected with these guys because they just didn't know who I were, who, who I was. And I thought, wow, that's that's Tim Horan, double World Cupper and the rest of it. So, you know, it, it can be it can be at all levels that you need to embrace history. And I think a lot of people don't know the history anymore. They they know it's like kids now. They know the immediate. They know the here and now. They don't know or 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 even think about sort of diving through history. If you uh, were a regular, uh, like if you came, if Timmy say came, I mean, I think everyone would know who he is. So it's really sad to hear that he wouldn't feel welcome there but if you're constantly around almost like say queensland do with the rugby league state of origin then you you don't feel as awkward i remember doing some stuff at the brumbies and the first first time i went i felt awkward then it was a long time since i went back again and you still feel awkward but if it's more of a a common reoccurrence you start to feel part of the team Mm. and you feel attached to the current group and i think that's extremely powerful not only for the ex-wallaby but the current wallabies as well because you you can impart your passion um even different scenarios that potentially when you're in the mix especially as a coach potentially if you're right in the mix and you're in with everything you can get a little bit tunnel vision and you're you can kind of look for a safe option sometimes whereas you're if you're more uh, you know detached from the group you've got a, a broader sense of actually issues that are going on, how you can potentially see they could be playing. You can add real value to the group, and especially guys that have been there and done it and actually won a World Cup, the pinnacle. Now we've got four long, really long years to build for that next World Cup, but that's something that I'd love to see, bringing back those successful Wallabies that care about the group uh, and want to add some value. I, I think it could make a huge difference. Very good. We do have to move on from the Wallabies. Uh, but I will say, if you are a, a young footballer and you're thinking rugby league or rugby union, having worked with these three guys now, they have the most amazing rorts going on. Um, international rorts, flying to Hong Kong, Singapore, um, and rorts that will last forever, right, guys? Are they, Berkey, have you still got it's rorts going on? It's all about connections. It's all about connections. I just hope that uh, Mr. Giddo is flying on his G4 between France and Wales. He's saving us just a little bit of cash. He's gone. He's just gone. gone. He's gone back to France. He's taken, <laughs> they've just given him the call. The G4 is ready. It's fired up and, and t- we're off. It's tinkle talk. Uh, now, social. Uh, let's talk about our socials. They have taken off during the week, courtesy of Drew Mitchell and his foul mouth. Um, you can find us at... Oh, he's back. Hello, he's Gitz. Back. He's back. I'm just talking about the socials here, Gitz. Oh, mate, but talk about the rugs, please. Yeah. I'll talk about the rugs. Uh, so you can get in contact with us at Good Bad Rugby AUS. That's on Instagram. That's on Twitter. That's on TikTok. That's everything. Um, we we built very well after last week. Um, gets you did a shout out to try and get us one point three thousand. We got about five thousand. So what I want to do, 
I've got nice. an idea here, boys. I want us to go past the G Bruckers. Oh. So they're on 126,000. I reckon by the end of this World Cup, we can go past them. So if you're listening to this, if you're watching this and you think, geez, I like that Aussie version, just go onto Instagram and follow us. And that'll, that'll let us know that we should hang around. Where are we sitting? We're at 23 and a half. 23 and a half. So That's we need 100,000. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're still short of the 400 million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the five-year plan, Gits. We're going to get the 400 million followers and we're going to be fine. Why don't I do some mid-show thanks just quickly to Harvey Norman while we're here. Um, we did deep, ve- dig very deep into the Wallabies then. I don't know if we solved anything. There's probably 100 other podcasts doing the exact same chat. Um, but you guys are, are legit, so that's good. Time for some mid-show thanks. A big thank you to the friends of the show, Harvey Norman. Great supporters of Aussie Rugby and the home of technology and the place to get your furniture, bedding and electrical appliances. They've got a great range, great value and great prices on TV. So make sure you get down to Harvey Norman and grab a smart TV so you can stream the rest of the World Cup in Ultra HD. And, well, we need to update this script. (laughs) Watch the Wallabies shit it in. So (laughs) that's the old script. Watch the Wallabies get shat on. Over in France, we hope the men in gold... Get to the promised land. We really need to update this script. Anyway, Harvey Norman, <laughs> thank you so much for your sponsoring. Hey, have you noticed the rug here? The rug's Ruggie? special. Yeah. It's, um, his name's Ruggy Elson. Ah. Yeah, I think yeah. we chose that one. Um, it's You can get them at Harvey Norman. Uh, you can get all this stuff at Harvey Norman, and they are wonderful sponsors of the show and of Rugby Union. Now, uh, lots of other games took place over the weekend. The third week of pool matches was quite amazing. And obviously the blockbuster that we need to get into, which is South Africa versus Ireland. Ireland getting it done, 13 to 8. Um, wow, what a game. Are they the real deal, Ireland? They, they are. They are. Um, bomb, it was old school test match, wasn't it? Was. It was. Bomb squad diffused. Yes. And you know what? Ireland... Yes. Ireland um, we're a little bit patchy at the start. I think their best football is still yet to come, and they got to, and they and they got the job job done against the world champs. Like I mean, that was a that was a great performance. Their defence was incredible. Like to to stop the the physicality of the the Springboks getting around the corner, getting over the advantage line took some task. And I mean that um, yeah, Johnny Johnny Sexton was really really good. Mac Hansen, Aussie on the wing, got himself a try. Got himself a try. Can, can you can you just put the ball down over the line? Like not to, you, know, oh, you, you score on the first line, not the second yeah. second line. Just put it down. But it paid off. You got around the corner, just made it a little bit closer to the Mate, Sexton's going to knock him from everywhere anyhow. Yeah, so. you're right. But, um, you know, Max just looking after Johnny there. Um, <laughs> low on the other edge. Like, I mean, they, these yeah. guys have got threats across the park. They're, like I said last week, mate, they're set-piece attacks. Really, really good. But they're scoring tries from anywhere now, particularly off unstructured. Um, they are the real deal. Does South Africa change their team up? That, that's the their ten was awful, um, were awful meaning missing goals. He, he wasn't, it uh, wasn't, uh, I suppose, too fluent. I don't uh, as in Libok. Uh, Faf wasn't great the other night as well. Etzebeth got turned over a couple of times. Um, <clears throat> so that physicality that Ireland showed, um, I don't think South Africa had, had sort of you know had that before because <clears throat> you know they're the guys who who are always the 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 bullies so to speak you know the international rugby they always just sort of you know go over the top of you and try and smash you and that physicality works first but you're right the bomb squad got got literally diffused um uh and ireland were just again just you just got to play smart you know like and and the smarts of that team is they've been around together for you know a, a long period of time you remember going back 
three years now. They've they've beaten the Kiwis. They they beat the Kiwis down in 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 New Zealand. Um, they've had success. They've won Six Nations. Uh, they're the real deal, absolutely. Um, but what about the potential quarterfinal now? I mean, they you know they they take on the Kiwis. Uh, South Africa take on um, the French. But two of the best teams could be get, could be gone. You only need you only need three good games at the end of a tournament to win a World Cup, you know. And 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 all of a sudden, it's it's not, I suppose, the desirable scenario. I mean, there was always the two pools of death, wasn't it? But um, Ireland playing some good footy. I like the way they're playing. Were you on to me? I don't want to cut. I don't want to cut the great Matt Burke off <laughs> with it being a delay here. But I think you'll find Andre Pollard. He's been called into the squad. Mm. So you're talking about. And missing a few kicks, but not only that, I think Bundy Arkey had a bit of a field day targeting that 10. Andre Pollard is, is a lot stronger in defense, so I think all the talk over here will see potentially maybe not a straight switch, but their next game's a bit easier. You should see 40 minutes from Andre Pollard, and then once pushing into the finals, potentially he might be back out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the game goes, Ireland were exceptional, I, I think they showed that they're. They're the real deal. Um, they're probably favourites now for the World Cup. But, Berkey, you touched on it as well. Whether you win or lose, now with Antoine Dupont being out, mm. maybe it's easier to play France than New Zealand. So it's better to finish second or first. I mean, it really doesn't matter. I think on that side of the pool, it's going to be a tough quarterfinal either way you go. What about he just He just does whatever he wants to do. Like He's, he's running a cross-field, cross-field kicks. Yeah. To to Damien Peno and, and even on the other side, it's just like what what will I do now? And then kick, you know, like left foot, right foot. Um, the vision that he shows is, is quite incredible. Is that him done for the rest of the World Cup though? With the no, facial no fracture, way. he'll come back. He, he said the, he said the show will go on. The show will go oh. on. Is that his show? The Dupont show? Yeah. Or? The show show. He'll be like, uh, I finished off Ted Lasso the other day. I don't know if you guys have watched the, yes. the third one. That He's going to put the mask on for sure. He'll be like the like goalkeeper, the Zorro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Van Damme. Um, he'll, be, he'll be back for sure. Oh, he'll, he'll, spoiler alert. He'll play. <laughs> Keep up with it, mate. Keep up with it. <laughs> um, well, the porn master, um, Fabian. Yeah. Can you say his surname for me, Gitz? Get, get here. How do you, Fabian? What is said it? Gautier. Gautier. <laughs> Gautier. He's copped a lot of flack for playing him in that game uh, where French won mm. 96-0 against the juggernauts that are Namibia. Mm. Um, should he have been rested for the whole game or are they just trying to run up a cricket score just to make sure they finish top of the group? What's going on there? It's a really good question. I mean, I think when the, the game's locked up, you, you want to make some changes pretty yeah. early on in that second half keep the keep the your main key players fresh but yeah i mean was it kept him on after it happened too yeah. or i'm not too sure but um toughen up oh yeah is it a little bit of that toughen up i am did you ever do that plane burger did you smash your face and <sighs> all right let's go back in history now so <laughs> i did my um i did my neck all down the side of my neck my sc joint and my ac joint in one game <clears throat> and this is actually this is the we're on World Cup stuff. This, this is probably a little bit later. This, this was the end of, of Matt Burke, basically. And um, I remember uh, uh, I was off. I couldn't move my arm. Couldn't move my neck. Couldn't do anything. And, uh, and the coaches at the time, who uh, I've now found out that sort of had a little bit of thing, said, you've got to go back on. And so I slapped it full of Denkerub to try and get it going. 
and uh, and I went go, I went back out there to play, and, and it was a trial match. Like you know, what are we thinking? Mm. And for a super twelve, so it's at the eleven games plus the finals, I was out for like six or seven games. Um, so there's there's a point of being tough, and there's a point of being smart. <clears throat> and he didn't need to play that game no. to start with, you know. Like and but you know maybe the player himself goes, I want to play. You know, I mean he's such a dominant force and. Um, dominant character I reckon as well that he said look I want to play and I want to keep the run continuing well the other interesting one was uh, obviously Owen Farrell going to start for England again in their massive win over Chile 71-0 does that mean that Farrell might start those bigger games Instead or you stick him with Ford you got to stick with Ford like he's been too good this tournament already, responsible, solely responsible for their first two wins. Mm. I won't say solely responsible, but huge influence. Kicked most of their points, led their attack around the field. Like I mean, he's been he's been outstanding. So you, I mean, but Gitz has also been saying too, like you've got to play your your, your specialists in their positions. And Owen Farrell, he's a ten, and George Fawn's been performing well. He's got the he should have the nod. So who do you play? I mean, it'd be interesting to hear what Gitz thinks about this. Oh, that's a nice little fence sit there, Swoop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that either, either way you go, that first 20 minutes looked a bit clunky, I thought, for for England. But when you look at the press conference with uh, Borthwick, he's like, I've picked my captain at the start of this tournament. He's now free to play. He's going to play. What I don't think, I think they need to decide, as you said, Swoop, leave them in their positions because they're, more, they're both very dominant as a 10. And they work better with two strong ball carriers rather than... As a ball player at 12. So whichever way Borthwick wants to go, he needs to... I don't think it's going to work having Ford and Farrell together. There's only one time that I think it's really clicked against New Zealand in that semi-final. But since, even after that, they had other games, other Six Nations the next years, and it just didn't... I don't think it works as well, and the players don't look as confident. So whichever way he wants to go, I mean, that's totally up to... Borthwick, but I think my opinion would be whichever 10 you think is the best 10 for the team, then pick them and the other one goes on the bench. But yeah. I wouldn't have them as a 10-12. That, that, that's so true, isn't it? Because you got two alpha males there trying to run the show and you don't... I'll take you back to you got your guys' uh, game in 2019 when you, you played them at, at Twickenham. I'll see you on the sideline doing a bit of radio action and it was silent. When you guys were absolutely running through them, but then you remember, <clears throat> and you guys were playing, he came on, Ford came on and turned the game in, in favor. And the, the swing, that the momentum change uh, for England in that game in the last, say, 15 minutes, I know they're playing catch-up and, and it's a little bit different, but I rate the way Ford plays. I reckon he'll be the 10. What we've seen now gets captains, they sort of don't mean anything at the moment, really, do they? You know, like you, you can change your captain halfway through a game and you, you don't have to actually pick your captain maybe sometimes. So uh, I think... The games that you're dominated in, the bigger games, like you said, then Swoop, um, will hold him in good stead to be chosen again. So I think Ford for number 10. We have a lot of English viewers and listeners of this show. So be good to get your take, Matt, on just how far they can go in this tournament. Do they get past the quarters? Do they get into the semis? They are obviously on the easier side of the, the pool. Yeah. it's So who, who would they match up in... Uh, the quarterfinal will be like a it'll be Fiji. Fiji. Yeah, it'll be yeah. Fiji. Um you know, you, you can't take anything away from Fiji. They they got beaten by them, you know, only five weeks ago over mm. in Twickenham. Uh yeah, they they've they've got a 
they've got a shot at going, you know, further and deeper into this tournament. Absolutely. And as I was saying before, with, with Giddy, uh, you know, reiterated, you only have to really put three games together. You put a quarter or semi in a final together and you jag a bit of a run on the way through there. Um, I mean, you boys in that 2015, uh, you know, Bernie kicks a goal on full time thereabouts uh, to get you past Argentina, uh, Scotland, pardon me, Scotland. get you past Scotland. So you need a bit of luck like that in the way through there. And, and, and England, albeit you, the form leading into, you sort of, you, you, you got to scrap. Um, you know, these, these, you know, they got, they got 12 strong teams to choose from over in the, in the premiership. Um, they've got a, a lot of players to choose from. Like this morning, the Welsh, when they did that rolling mall, um, it's it's their bread and butter, you know, and, and so they, they go back to that kind of stuff and they just grind you out. They kick you three, kick you six, kick you nine, field goal for 12. All of a sudden you look at the scoreboard and you got to play catch up, pretty much what Australia had today, the scenario. And so when it's, what, 19-6 like this morning, you can't take a shot at goal. You know, you know you want mm. to, but you can't because you got to play the, the high risk, high reward uh, scenario. So, yeah, England could be. Uh, I don't think they'll go the whole way, but they could certainly, you know, go deeper in the tournament. It's interesting, isn't it, when you consider where they were before the tournament, and mm. you know, the sky was falling in. A um, few other results. We'll just get through these. Uh, Argentina nineteen, Samoa ten. Very tight game. Um, Samoa showed a lot mm. in that, but it looks like Argentina will probably go through second in that group. Which means they'll then meet Wales. How good's Christian Leliafano playing, by yeah, the way? That's good. Yeah. Though. Oh mate, what a journey. What a story. What a story. Um, and he's still going. He's still going. He's still performing at the top. That like, last game against uh, for Pacifica when he played Waratahs, it was vintage. He was just, you know, if there was ever a, a call for being an orchestrator, that that was him. He was just, or the conductor. He was just standing there pulling strings and 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 scoring at will and and kicking goals as well. He's 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 done well. One of the greats, Bruss. Gets anything on that game? Um, yeah, I obviously want to touch on Christian as well, like an amazing story as, as Swoop said, but you know, just a great fella as well. But I think the problem at the moment is teams that want to play with the ball. You saw, I think Fiji were guilty of it against Wales trying to play too much. And when the ball's slippery, so obviously for Fiji, the game was super hot. So the, the ball against Wales was super slippery and they weren't getting rewarded for, for playing with the ball. So you're actually better just playing territory, similar to the way England played against Argentina. They played territory, took their points, built pressure. I think Samoa were a little guilty of trying to play too much, and they just coughed up a lot of ball where they needed to probably play field position a bit more uh, against you know their style, just with a bit more patience, um, and they possibly could have got away with it. But yeah, I think I still think they're capable of an upset. So I'm not sure who else have they got. Have they still got? England? England to go. Japan. Yep. England and Japan, they still have to play against. Uh, Other results. Italy, 38. Uruguay, 17. Um, Uruguay were leading that one, 17-7. Georgia, 18. Portugal, 18. The Portuguese Mm. are playing good footy. We've still got them next week. Fingers crossed for the Wallabies. Um, I saw a tweet this morning, and it was uh, beaten by seventh in the world, comprehensively beaten by eight in the world. We take on Portugal next, you know, like, Wow. And yeah. so are they thinking they're going to be a shot at the title for us? Well, what did we beat Georgia by? 20? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? 35, something or other. Yeah. yeah. 35, not many. Jeez. Yeah. It's up to you guys to save the Wallabies, guys. You three. We'll forget Drew. He's not going to help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's the Rugby uh, World Cup stuff out of the way. Um, big name guest, Matt Burke, on the show. Let's run through a bit of stuff with you, Burkey. Mm. 
Um, we'll mainly concentrate on your World Cup stuff. We'll go back to you. Obviously played in three, 95, 99, yeah. 03. Very successful. Let's let's talk about 99, which we all like to. Um, what do you see watching this squad in 23? The major differences between that and that 99 team you played in. I think across the board, you could have had nearly, you know, eight blokes being captain of that team. Yeah, Ilsey was the captain, yes, and he got the cup at the end from Queen Elizabeth II. Um, but, you know, in line was George Gregan, Tim Horan, Phil Kearns was there for a period of time. Uh, Andrew Blaze was up front there. Giff was there. Um, you know, uh, Little was there. Uh, guys who knew what they were on about, you know. Um, I used to always take the adage of when I was captain of Waratahs, I'd toss the coin and uh, choose which way I'm going to run when I'm going to have a shot for goal. Outside of that, you're your own captain. Like, you look after your, your, yourself. And I think at the moment, everyone's having to look after everyone else's um, sort of responsibility. And so when in that team, um, which was you know, stacked with you know, incredible players, you could just sort of look left and look right and go, yep, I've got this covered. Um, and you knew what was going on. You might get a spray from Griggs every now and then, um, who was very good at it. But outside of that, everyone knew their job. You know, everyone knew their job, even on from the bench to the reserves, the guys in the in the suits. And I think that was probably the the, the great thing about that team that everybody contributed to um, the success of that ninety nine team. Checking if Gitz is he's normally got something here. Gitz, you got? I do have something. So Griggs, one of the great sprays. <laughs> I we trained all week. Um, like this one move, and it was actually against the Waratahs. I think we're targeting Burke, Burke, Burke or something <laughs> like that. Anyway, so we there was this play where it goes Greeks to me, and it, like we ran it every time. Then I'd still a short and I'd play um Steve Larkham then out the back, and we'd practice it over and over again. Like at the Brumbies, even the Wallabies at the time, you, you set plays, your first three phases was something that you would always practice. It was like clockwork, really. And Griggs would always put me on this one spot. So I knew I had two steps, catch it. That's where he'd throw it. Two steps, catch it. That's where he'd throw it. Anyway, at the game, he's thrown it at my ankles. And I knew that I was at the right place. And he's just given me this death stare. Looked at me going, get it. Get it there. And I was like, knowing that I was in the right spot, looked at Bernie, looked at Sterlo. Both of them looked away. But, <laughs> you know, like. But this guy, like, because he's a legend of the game, like, you just cop it and you learn from that as well. I think, you know, going back to your point about um, how many different leaders and captains, like, you you could just look around and get confidence knowing that you had all these legends around you. Like, for me, I, I felt – I didn't feel comfortable in that arena for a long time, but you always felt safe because you had those good players around. I want to touch on 99, when you actually won the World Cup, won – what was the feeling like? Because that's the one thing of my career, obviously, not that you regret, but something that I would have loved to have achieved is winning a World Cup. One, what was the feeling when you actually won the World Cup? And then two, the party. I want to know what the party was like. <laughs> so so winning the World Cup, if you watch the vision at the very end there, uh, we, uh, I think Owen scores the try and then there was another goal, I think, that I, that I hit and then... Uh, they went down left-hand side and they put the grubber kick down left-hand side. And I knew it was time was getting on. So Griggs got substituted at the end. Wits came on. So I think everybody got on who was on the bench, which, which was a, a great thrill, even if it was only for a couple of minutes. And the ball went down the left-hand side there and, went, and rolled into touch. And I ran over and I picked it up and I've got the ball in my hand, which is great now. And they went like whistle, whistle blew. 
and I did that one. I went, you beauty. And then I looked up and I went, I've got this straight under the jumper. And so... I've got the ball from the World Cup final, so that that was that was mine. You're kidding? Yeah, no, Wait, it's at your house now. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's awesome. I thought if there's ever a moment, I think yeah, maybe I I think I might just take this one, seeing that I was I was last in charge. Then we get inside the the um, oh, pardon me. So then we then we walk, uh, and we, and it's funny because you know we've got the trophy right, and it should be the most the most enjoyable moment in your life, and, and I think this is where the humility of the the players were you got it you gave it a lift and then you just pass it on like you, you didn't want to be that one to to hog the trophy if, if that's the word you know what i mean so you, you you left it there um to in the care of someone else then we got then then we walked around we had this team photo <laughs> and there was some random who made it into the photo and so he just like popped his head over and and in the in the euphoria of it all we looked across and said who's this bloke and he got dragged out by Owen I think it was and and thrown off so he had his one opportunity and he took it well done um Roffy got split if you remember and so all the photos are going Roffy clean that clean that blood off and he's going no no it looks good it, <laughs> it looks good it was like Benny Elias in that uh, in that origin yeah. remember that years ago when he when he his hugged mom his mum yeah that's right yeah. Yeah. and he put all of his face so Roffy's like the hard man he's got like a trickle of blood coming down his face then we get inside the change room and uh, we we you know fill the fill the cut with beer and it was just a quiet moment and then it went rowdy you know it was like you know you go around the you go around the room it was like you know, uh, Tim Horan, double World Cup, and they're like, way, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, Matt Burke, single, way, yeah, World Cup champion, blah, blah, blah. And then it got to the bonuses. And there was an interesting article not long ago um, that was the bonuses. If they win here this year, they get 175000 I think it was. We were nothing. Like, this is, the, this is the first year of professional rugby. There was no winner's check back in the day. All the money just went to what was, you know, IRB at the time, I suppose. Um, and so I think we had a $15,000 uh bonus you know that we negotiated through the collective bargaining agreement i think it was and someone started up um the chant double the bonus double the bonus <laughs> and so john o'neill's in the change room there he's got his red pants on it was double the bonus double the bonus and the whole place went up and he went yes and the oh. place went nuts you know like so all of a sudden we've got 30 grand Idiot. Um, then we go back to i think this is a great part then we go back to we fly back to Sydney. Uh, so, so that night, there I get him. So that night, um, we go to the function afterwards and uh, the front rows, so there's four teams there. So it was uh, Australia, France, South Africa, New Zealand. And all the front rowers were just owning the bar. So to get to the bar, you had to chant your hand to get to the bar. And the front rowers would were ripping shirts off, ripping sleeves off jerseys. So you just didn't go there. It was like, that's your domain, the front rowers union, that you can have that. You know, that, that that's all you. We get back to the hotel. Um, so the night, Giddy, you're talking about, like, how good was it? I was as crook as Rookwood. I was so crook after the game. I was uh, I was in and out of the bathroom. I was, I was just terrible. And I was laying on my bed thinking, I've got to go out. I've got to go out. And so through the week, all the double dirties, CAFE and crew, went and sourced a, a, a pub in Wales. This, the owner's gone, yeah, great. So we had 300 passes, basically, like wristbands. And I got out there. I eventually got out there. I said, this is great. And, and I got there, and there would have been 3,000 people in this room. The, the barman, the, the, the owner's obviously gone, I'm missing out here, boys. Like, I, I've got to let people yeah. in. So I walked up there. I had my wristband. And I went, I said, mate, uh, I said, here we go. I said, give me, <laughs> give me 10 rum and cokes. 
And the bloke goes, sorry, mate, wrong wristband. And I went, does 25 points in the final count? And he goes, no. I went, oh, my God. And then so I had to get another wristband. What? Yeah, I had to get another wristband to, to get it because everyone's just like loading up at the moment. And so in the end, I had one drink on the way out and we just walked back to the hotel. We got back to the hotel and we just sat in the foyer of the hotel and we drank till about six o'clock in the morning, drinking with these punters. The Aussie fans were there and that kind of stuff. And I was drinking with a guy who I don't think recognized me, like being in, in civvies, you know what I mean? And so the call was, we've got to go upstairs because we've got to go on the bus. So I went upstairs okay, and I came down with a cup and the bloke did this double take and he went, he sort of went, oh, did you play, did you? And I went, yes, mate, I, I did it right today. You know, like it was one of those moments. We get back to, um, we get back to Sydney. Oh my God, we get back to Sydney. We're flying on the way through and I looked around, a few of the guys stayed and I thought, I'm the most senior player here, uh, bar Eelsie, so I better get off the drink. And I thought, and then I looked at it and went, I better go find the trophy. Because the story goes in 91, Dan Crowley walked around the plane and took it to everyone to have a sip of. And he did it again in you know, 99. And I'm thinking, where's the trophy? And Bernie Larkham's got it. So Bernie Larkham, when he's on the drink, is one of the funniest people in the world. And he was standing in the corner of the business class, sort of, you know, where they prepare the meals, that kind of stuff. And I was thinking, and he's, and he's facing out. So he's facing out the window. I said, what are you doing? And he, he had the cup in his hands and he had his belt buckle off with the little belt notch, trying to scratch in Bill on top of the William oh, Webb Ellis oh, cup <laughs> because it was known as Bill. Yeah. And he got the B out and I went, Bernie, what are you doing? He goes, just saying hi to Bill. And I went, mate, you can't do that. So all the photos had to be turned around because he like he scratched. So they buffed it out. So it was good. So we then go to functions in brisbane uh brisbane melbourne uh, Sid, uh sydney big ticket tape and then we go to canberra and and by canberra we are spent like we've got nothing in the tank been drinking all week all the extras that go with it all the all the um the the the, the thank yous of coming home and we get into canberra and and we had a civic reception it was hot we had a civic reception then we had to go to parliament house and then we had to go to the lodge afterwards and we're thinking to myself, oh, imagine what, what politicians are going to be there. You know, what, what's this going to turn into? And we get there and there was only one guy there, a guy called Bill Heffernan, who was a country rugby guy, I think, back in the day. And so we're having a few beers and, it, and we realised it was just ourselves. And the barman goes, he goes, boys, it's a, it's a free bar. Like, get into it. And was like, how good's this? So we were, just, we were just legging it. We were into it. So then we get Johnny up to have a drink. So we, we filled it, wasn't with beer, we filled it with rum and coke. And so he had a, a sip of it, as in Johnny Howard. Was he in his tracksuit? No, he wasn't tracksuit. He couldn't. Yeah, the, the old flurry, like <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. the old rapper tracksuit. Yeah. Exactly right. Um, and then his wife got up there. It was a Jeanette, I think it was. Um, she got up there and went 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. was like the cheer went up. It was great. Then the son got up there who just went DUI in Sydney. That was great. So Eelsie put a big spiel on it. But then the great part about it was <laughs> we went back to the hotel afterwards. And at about 3 o'clock in the morning, I reckon, the manager, team manager, Sorry, the hotel manager came up to our team manager and said, mate, we've got a problem. He said, one of your boys is like legless and, and, and lying on the couch in the foyer. And we straight away went Larkham, Roth or Tune. And it was like, it was one of those three. And we get out there, it was the Prime Minister's son oh, yeah. who was trying to keep up with us all night. Literally, we picked him up, we put him in a cab and said, off to the lodge, please, mate. And so he took him to the lodge. That was oh, it. Wow. That was the last time we saw him. So oh, wow. it, was, it was quite spectacular. And then you remember Giddy 03, we had nothing like that. You know, we, we made the final. We were in a, like a, uh, a little, uh, what would you call it? A, not even an air, what do they call it? Air, not an Airbnb, but like a, just a little hotel motel uh, on the outskirt of, 
uh, outskirts of Canberra because, you know, we didn't win. Chalk and cheese between winning yeah. and coming second. Can I ask about Jeremy Paul? Mm. Um, he came on the podcast last week and we had to cut 51 minutes out of what he said. <laughs> so we got a lot of flack online during the week. Oh, you keep cutting him off. Uh, well, the bloke in the hat keeps talking over him. No, I wasn't because I paused after most of the things he said in shock and awe. <laughs> um, shock and awe, yeah. Didn't we? Some of the stories... Um, yeah, there, was, he, there yeah. was a few lines. He's going to be an LS. He'll be a live show specialist, yes. I think, yes. down the track. Was he Was he that loose in the group? JP was um, one he could play. I mean, that, that was the great part about it. Um, and you couldn't remember. Like, we, we enjoyed ourselves over there. We got the drink all the time. Like, you know, like, and, um, and you can do that when you're winning as well. You know, our first night. Um, there's, there's all those stories about, you know, Roffy running nude up the hallway type thing and then sneaking into McQueen's room because he was out of the team at the time saying, pick me, Roddy, I'm doing hill sprints. Like, you know, I'm doing like wind sprints up and down the, you know, the hallway there. Um, you know, uh, Jeremy enjoyed his time as well. Uh, he enjoyed um, going out. He enjoyed then the next morning having to turn up and, 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 and train. Um, and he, he, had, he, he could do that because he wasn't the number one hooker at the time. So Kearns was number one hooker to Foley. He was third. And then Kearns goes home injured. He comes in and plays a, a reserve role from there and gets a start. But JP would have to be one of the best people to tour with, one of the loosest guys going around. I mean, you guys play with him down at Brumby's way. You might have. Yeah. Did you yeah. catch him? Yeah, I got under his wing early on. Yeah, early well, you, know, you don't want to get under his wing. Well, you, want, you want to steer clear. Yeah, well, I couldn't. It was, <laughs> I tried to. I tried to run a bit of a swerve on him th through the foyer and, of the, and if there's the a South good, African hotel and <laughs> I didn't get away from it. If there's good, the bad and the rugby Australia um, X-rated version, uh, yeah. that, that's that's Mingy. Yeah. And, and like just, yeah. But a great, but a great bloke. Yes. Yeah. A great bloke. And our editor, Hugo, needs to be patted on the back. It was... <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Magic. It was surgery that he yeah. did last week. <laughs> <laughs> Magic stuff. It was... Absolutely brilliant. Now, Berkey, we do, at the end of each show, we like to do a bit of a quiz. But before we get into that, I just yeah. wanted to ask you, Eddie coached you. Yes. What was your relationship like with Eddie and the madness that we're seeing? Yes. Is that the old Eddie or is this a whole new Eddie uh, that's I think it's a, I think way? it's a similar Eddie. Um, mate, he's, I, I, I got, you got to preface this by saying he sacked me in 2004. 2004 right um so you know i was third just turned 30 30 and a 30 and a half i was about turned 31 and you know we're talking about that contribution like can i contribute to this team and i, and I thought i still could and they chose a, a young waratah bloke and I, I i can't remember his name now i'm thinking if i'm not better than this bloke now like you know what's what's going on and giddy you remember 2004 i think it was england in australia and Henjack was in amongst the, the crew at the time. And I remember I was a squad member and that was about it. Um, I then uh, sat and watched the game and, and Gordon Bray goes, you know, welcome to, you know, Stadium Australia. There's been a change tonight. And I can't remember if it was you, Giddy, who got injured, but they brought in Matt Henjack. And I'm sitting at home going, no, there would have been, a, would have been someone on, on, the, on the wing, like, you know, wing-wing fullback. Um, and I couldn't get a start. I was thinking, man, I am done. I am absolutely done. I had a similar experience with Robbie Deans where I was 29 at the time, but I asked him areas how I could get better. And he was just saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, shit, I'm uh, I'm probably done here. And it was similar to you. You were the same age. But then once you go overseas, did you find 
Because as soon as I went there, Bernard the Port said, how old are you? And I was like, oh, 29. He said, oh, you have plenty of time. I left Australia feeling super old, got there all of a sudden in Europe feeling young and mentally it just refreshed you. I remember talking to Johnny Wilkinson and he said when you went over to uh, Newcastle, like you're unbelievable. You're playing super rugby. It was just more potentially mentally yeah. from Eddie giving you that excuse. You felt older than you actually were because you went over there and killed it. it. It was, and I think part of that enjoyment though gets, and you would have been the same, but you end up going back playing for Australia was there was no jersey to aspire for. So you put all your efforts into playing for Newcastle. Um, and I loved it over there. It was great fun. And to the point where in 2007, uh, I was driving home and I checked my phone. There was a message from John Connolly to say, uh, Matt, John Connolly calling. Uh, we want to uh, get your interests about the 2007 World Cup. And so I rang him back and I, I, I first rang Kate, and I, my wife, and I said, the, the Aussie coach has called me. He goes, call, call him up. So I called him up. I said, get a knuckles, how are you? Good, 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 this, that, and the other. I said, you're talking about the World Cup. And he, and he said, he said, yeah. I said, like, what capacity? Like a, a kicking coach, that kind of stuff, mentoring type thing. He goes, no, no, mate, we want you to play. And I went, huh? Like, you know, like as in, so I could have been with you blokes in the 2007 World Cup. So I get home. I said to Kate, they want me to play. And I, I rang Rob Andrew, who is our coach. And he said, mate, you're you, free reign. You know, go and do what you want to do. And then I rang Jason Little. Um, and this is great because I rang Jason Little and because he was under him with Knuckles for so many years in Queensland. <laughs> and I said, mate, what do I ask? And he goes, he makes deals. And I went, great. He said, because when Jace left to come down to New South Wales, that was sort of the transition for Daniel Herbert to go to 13. And he goes, mate, if you stay... I'll give you the 13 role and I'll make you captain. <laughs> so, and I'll put Herbie on the wing. And so I went, great. So I rang him up. And, and this, is, this is ballsy from a, from a player. Remembering three years ago, I left Australia. So I went, oh, well, I'll just put it all on the line. I went, right, mate, you choose 30 for your squad. I said, you choose your captain, who it was Elsom, I think at the time, was it? Sterlo. No, Sterlo. Sterlo. Sterlo at the time. I said, I said, so you got 29 to choose from? I said, I'm a guaranteed. You make it 28 and I'll come back and play. And he went, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I said, well, mate, that's the ultimatum. That's what I'm saying to you. And then I had to, like you, Giddy, come back and play those sort of first five test matches before the World Cup. I said, I need, I need protection from the, um, uh, the media because I left and Jenkins was hammering me, like too old, too slow, veteran, blah, blah, blah. I said, and he goes, we can, we can do that. So then I spoke to um, Fordo, my agent at the time, so John Fordham. And I said, what, what do you reckon? I said, mate, they want me back for this. I, I said, this is what I'll need to get back and, and blah, blah, blah. And we had a holiday booked in the south of France for Kate and I in our, in our off season, which was leading into that World Cup. And so Fordo opens up his, his folder um, and we flew business class, part of the contract back, myself, Kate, two young kids. And he said uh, to the ARU guy, I can't remember his name, he said, so he'll need business class flights home. And the ARU guy goes, that could be a deal breaker. And Fordo closed up his folder. And he said, if that's all you're worried about, we'll stop the conversation now. And so it became, uh, in the end, uh, my choice to whether or not I'll go or not. And I didn't end up taking that role up. Um, and it was probably for the better as well. Maybe it could have been, uh, actually, uh, I should have played because the day after you played the quarter against New Zealand, uh, I played against, Palms, against England. England. I did my knee the following day. So ACL gone and end of career that was it yeah yeah so 
um, done and dusted for uh, for my time. What could have been? What eh? could have been? What could have been? Four couple like Adam Ashley Cooper. Yeah, and, and James Slipper. And, and James, James Slipper. Slipper. And Greg. And Greg. All right. Difference between well, the difference between utility and Coopy <laughs> is Coopy was just a studsy. You actually stood up to the plate. <laughs> Uh, and sometimes laces. <laughs> sometimes laces. Mate, you do what it do what it takes to you get do the what squad, right? All for the team. All for the team. Uh speaking of which, what a great team we've got here at Gebra. And it's time <laughs> to do our quiz. Are you ready for this, Gits? It's one ten here AM in UK. My eyeballs, I feel like they're on the kneecaps. <laughs> yeah, I noticed you were drifting off a bit there. Get you get yourself a couple of toothpicks, right? There he is. <laughs> no, no I've, got to, I've got to train at uh, 9 a.m. back to Paris. Fine, we'll keep it going. This will be fine. <laughs> Leave it like that. That's good. You need to you need to lick him like a lizard does. Can you? <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we're about to get into this quiz. Yes. Which uh, I'm sure you've seen. People love it. Uh, we, we get messages all the time. Don't laugh, Hugo. I love the quiz. Um, Berkey, your, your nickname, Slippery. Yes. Why do they call you Slippery? Do you know it came from George Grigan, uh, and it was, a, it was about a game of golf, and we were playing, and he's the most competitive prick going around, right? Like, and he was the group behind us, and we're playing a, an Ambrose, and uh, we had like a, if it was a 20-footer, and I was going last, miss, 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 and the third guy walked up, knocked in the hole. And in Ambrose, if you knock it in the hole, you're in for that number. So we're in for five. But I've knocked mine in for four on the on the birdie. And Griggs is 150 away going, put down a five, you slippery bastard. You know, like, <laughs> I said, no, no, no. I said, mate, we're in for four. And he goes, five, the rules are And we beat him by half a shot. I mean, he was absolutely livid. So ever since then, it became slippery. Um Maybe also to do with the amount of product I used to have in my hair. <laughs> uh, a little bit oily, a little bit slippery, but um, it's funny how things just stick. You know, like it's, you know, if I ever get a text match, it's a test uh, from any of the boys. It's, hey, slippery, hey, oil, Valvoline, anything to do with uh, any kind of oily product, it's, it's usually me. Rugby Union is amazing for nicknames. It's so good. What I've learned. We get a lot of questions, you know, why is Gitz Goit? Well, I mean, um, Drew's got 15 different nicknames. He's the bivouac. He's beefy. He's got everything. You've got Swoop. You've got... Two dads. Two dads. You've two got... dads. <laughs> um, yeah. If nothing else, this sport's wonderful for that. That's, That's, what we'll so, say. True. That's what so true. That's what we'll say. Um, let's get into this quiz. Um, brought to you by me, because we still don't... Have a sponsor for it, but we've got someone on the hook, don't we? Oh, we don't do. mention who. No, I won't. Ooh, we've got big sponsor but. coming, Turkey. Big sponsor. Um, our quiz is called Have You Been Watching Heaps? Yes. Because um, for legal reasons, we couldn't call it Have You Been Paying Attention? Sure. So. <laughs> and it's just what we do is we go through the weekend of Rugby Union. Yes. Um, and uh, and you've got to pick A, B, C or D. We go around the circle. These guys get very competitive. Mm. I'm sure you will as well. Um, I'm surprised Drew's not dialing back in just for the bloody quiz. She's a psycho. Um, all right, here we go. Question number one. After a 96-point defeat to the French, the Namibian rugby team has taken another spot on the list of biggest Rugby World Cup defeats. In 2003, Namibia lost to the Wallabies 142-0 at the Adelaide Oval in a 22-try affair. Which member of the back line, either starting or on the bench, didn't score? Was it A, Matt Burke, B, 
Nathan Gray, C, Chris Whitaker, or D, Drew Mitchell at the Sheaf. Is that <laughs> That's Tommy's joke there? I don't mind that. Uh, who would you like to go there? Lock it in, slippery. I'd say Nathan Gray. Oh, but I'd say Grazy too. Grazy, uh, Goitan. You going wits? Wits had to pass to everyone. Ding, ding, ding. It was Wits. Oh, was it? You write down the scores here, Tommy. That is one for Gits. Question number two. Can I just tell a quick story about that? Go for it. So I'm uh, on the bench that day. <clears throat> I come on and uh, blokes are scoring left, right and centre. I think Latham got five that day. All I'm doing is just passing the ball to people to score. I get my chance. And uh, I, I ran through and it was literally the classic draw and pass to put Lottie in for a try number four maybe. And I stepped and I bumped and I got hit and I fell over the line. I just made the line. And there's a great photo of Takiri looking over the top of me going, you are so lucky you scored. <laughs> and I was literally fingertips trying to hang it out there. And 142, I wasn't kicking goals either. Uh, I think Rogers was kicking goal. He hit 42 points that day. Um, you have to get on the scoreboard. Otherwise, it's like it's new. And so that was your one try that day. That was day, my one just, try. Yeah. And, and Lottie's going... You're lucky. You're very lucky. Well, Wits was the one that didn't, Wits, didn't get okay. the score. There you go. Question number two. Wales coach Warren Gatland and Aussie coach Eddie Jones have a mixed relationship of good times and bad times. When they both coached in the Six Nations, what weekly activity did they partake in together? A, Sunday roast at the pub. B, Wednesday curry date. C, Monday bingo. D, counting how many assistant coaches they sacked. <laughs> That's quite good. On a Tuesday. Yeah. Those blokes on the curry for sure. On the curries? Yeah, on the curries. Curries, gits. It's a roast. It's a roasting. <laughs> it's a roasting. It's uh, not a roasting. No, it was Wednesday curry night. <laughs> there you go. So we're at one, one apiece. Question number three. <laughs> this is tight tonight. This is great. In England's defeat of Chile, Chile, Chile. Henry Arundel scored five juicy meats. Who holds the record for most tries in a Rugby World Cup game? Is it A, Chris Latham, Australia? B, Josh Luzi, England? C, Mark Ellis, New Zealand? D, John Alomu, New Zealand? Oh. It's hard to go past Latham. Five, I'm going to go it? with Latham. Uh, it was uh, Mr. Ellis. Six oh, tries in no New Zealand uh, against Japan in 1995. If you want some detail about Gets, it. Do you wow. want to, have, have you locked it in yet? Yeah, Gets? he said. He said. Latham. He said Latham. Uh, yes. No, I'm going Slippery. with Berkey. <laughs> <laughs> you guys weren't even born then, I don't think. 1995. Yeah, there you go, six. Um, so two to Slippery yeah, and one apiece to the other. Question number four. They say drawing a game is like kissing your sister. At which World Cup have there been the most draws? A, 2019. B, 2003. C, 2007. Or D, 1996, when I kissed my sister twice. Tommy, did you write? <laughs> oh, Should have pre-read these. 96 wasn't a World Cup year, so it can't be that one. Yeah, I think that was a joke by Tommy about um, <laughs> me being incestual mm. with my it sisters. It wasn't that funny, was it? But you are right, 1996. Uh, uh, was not a year. I'll go C for that one. 07, swoop. Yeah, I'll take 07. 07, uh, gets 2019, 03 or 07. It's supposed to be a quick game too, mate. <laughs> oh, I know there's a delay to, to Wales. 2019, 2019. 2019, ding, ding, ding. Oh, really? There you go. Very good. Gets, which means you're out. Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. So, Swoop has gone. Question number five, tiebreaker. Yes. For Matt Burke and Matthew Gitto. 
In Drew's segment for Channel 9 Sports Sunday, he visited Notre Dame Basilica in Lyon and made a confession. Can we just roll this in for me, Hughes? I went up to the, the highest peak here in Lyon as the Notre Dame Basilica Cathedral, and I just thought, you know what, it's probably time for me to, to light a candle, say a prayer, and of course, go into the confession box. I spent about three days in there and haven't even scratched the surface, but look, I'm doing my best. I've been expecting you, So that's it. Um, Sports Sunday there. Um, he does a weekly... Have you seen his segment on sports? I can't say I have, no. No. That's the most sober he's been by <laughs> yeah. a long way, would you say? I'd say that was he walking in the rain as well? Like, Was he going for the wet look? I don't know. Yeah. He, you know what? He looked like Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumb. <laughs> he got the bowl cut. Um, so the question, Gits. Yes. Are you there? I think he's falling asleep. Gits, if you're in... No, 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 mate. I'm here, but the beauty of that is I couldn't see the clip. So like, why don't we just give the trophy to Berkey? <laughs> no, it's... it's Gets the, you didn't need to see the clip. It wasn't a watch this and tell me what happens next. It's just literally we played the clip so that top. So I'll just stare at you like looking at a screen. <laughs> Jeez, I'll tell you. Um, Come on. Oh, I, I love the way. See what these blokes are like when they go. Yeah, All right. Pretentious. In Drew's segment for Channel 9 Sports Sunday, he made his way to the confession. What do you think Drew confessed? Was it A, oh. that he is really sorry for being mean to Eddie? B, that he's actually really in love with Darcy. C, that he is really going to, he's going for Fiji in the World Cup. Or D, that he has actually run out of the condoms we sent him. <laughs> oh, it can't be D. We've seen the state of him nearly every Monday. <laughs> I think he's going for Fiji. I'd say. Well, that's probably a good call, but I think A, I think he was uh, very repentant on um, his words to the coach. Yes, I ding, ding, ding. Slippery. That's what we got the answer here. A, very sorry for being mean to Eddie. So congratulations to our It's obviously that answer is just what Tommy thinks. I mean, we don't know <laughs> what he did again. I doubt he went to confession unless there was a free bar in there. So... Anyway, that's uh, congratulations. Hey, Gitz, we'll let you go, mate. You're, you're falling asleep yeah, there. No, look, Thank you. I apologise for the delay. I've got a bloke here on a bike just trying to pedal the Wi-Fi, so he's, <laughs> he's ready to fall asleep himself. That's all right, mate. We will get... If Hugo could cut out 53 minutes of JP last week, surely we can tighten up the delay. Yeah, all right. Well... Paul Bass has just passed out. So <laughs> Thanks, Gitz. Give Drew a hug for right. us, uh, and we'll see, we'll see you next get week. Um, all, right, so. all right, I've just got to give some uh, final show thanks to Harvey Norman. Mm. Um, massive thanks to the uh, fantastic support of Harvey Norman. They have got more than rugs for the very best experience. Get yourself down to the home of technology, TVs, computers, mobile phones, gaming, audio, optimum viewing experience for all the Rugby World Cup matches. Uh, round four pool matches happening this weekend. So if you're a fan of France or South Africa or England or Scotland and you live here, make sure you get to Harvey Norman and get yourself, uh, well, whatever you want. Rugs, TVs, coffee machines, whatever you need. Um, hey, massive thanks to you for coming in, Berkey. Yeah. Um, good luck tonight reading that off the auto cue. What's going to be the intro? Yeah, that's yeah. Gonna be, it's going to be a good intro. Yeah. I think it is, yes. 46. <laughs> we'll see if he's going to, I wonder who's going to write it. We've got, we've got a rugby league guy who used to be rugby union and, you know, the, the, the first bit of script goes in there and he just like pops his head over and goes, nah, I'm rewriting that. Like, you know, as in, 
it's got to be more brutal. And so I have to, I have to say it. Yeah, and there's no sugarcoating, unfortunately. So um, watch this space. We'll be watching. Hopefully a plug with Gbra. Yeah, why not? <laughs> do you, will you do a little bit of back and forth with the main newsreader? No. There won't be any awkward jokes off the back. Yeah, well, no, there will be. There will be. And, and um, it'll be very awkward. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah my word. Um, and, and probably about the Wallabies. I'd say so. Yeah, falling apart. Get yeah. ready for it. Yeah. Um, all right, that's all we've got for us. Big thanks to Tommy Erskine and Hugo Johnstone-Burt and to uh, Ollie Silverton for all the work they do during the week for this show. We are the good, the bad, the rugby. Uh, G-bra. Well, Drew normally shouts out the G-bra, doesn't he? Would you like to? Sure. G-bra. Bit of a sad hey, G-bra, wasn't it? <laughs> Bit of a sad G-bra. Uh, until next week. If there will be one. <laughs> <laughs>